Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those Telly Guys. Well, Morgan, here we are again. Episode 3 of Those Telly Guys in 2022. How are you, good sir? I'm going well, thanks, Rich. My legs are feeling a little bit tired, but, gee, it was awesome to get up to Falls Creek, the home of Telemark Skiing in Victoria, for a fantastic opening weekend and ski uh, with yourself and uh, friend of the show, Chris R. Lee, as well. But, um, yeah, how are you going, man? Yes, very good, very good. And what a great couple of days it was, three days of just absolute free hill skiing and also a little bit of Apres skiing down at Crankhandle Brewery, but uh, we got through our woes with that the following morning and managed to get up there on the Monday on a beautiful sunny day and, and rip it up. And of course, we were joined by none other than Mr. Chris Ali. And I've got a bit of an intro song to introduce this special guest today. We might just throw to that. Hey, clear the way on Ruan Castle. Hey, let us through is a telly guru. Come be the first on the run to see his style. Sit down, watch him lunch, tap balls, swing the chairs. Oh, you're gonna love this guy. Chris Ali, gear junkie, tell him I'll ski Skis his best friend in his hairs and dropping some knees. Now, please don't sound the alarm. But when he skis, he shreds up. But if he crashes, he'll probably hurt his knees. Chris Ali, gear junkie, tell him a Strong as ten snowboarding men with long hoodies. He's scared off the alpine hordes. Some skiers trapped through their boards. Who freed the hills once more like Chris Ali. And yes, there we go, Mr. Chris Ali, Gear Junkie, Telemark Skier. How are you going, mate? Hey, gents. How are we? Great uh, great weekend skiing with you boys up at Falls. Just gone. Very sore legs. Yes, indeed. And uh, you managed to get home slightly hungover um, okay as well? Yeah, long drive back on Monday, but always worth it. Yeah, always worth the long road trips for for an opening weekend, especially when the conditions are as good as they were. Gee, it was great to have so much terrain open for um for opening weekend. What like being the the local yourself, I suppose, Rich. When do you think the last like do you ever remember skiing the summit on opening weekend in the last I don't know five years? No, 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 not at all. There was a. A season a couple of years ago where they could have got close, they opened it a bit earlier than expected. So that was cool, but never on opening weekend. Well, I guess it's, yeah, technically the second weekend of skiing. But yeah, traditionally Queen's birthday is opening weekend. And no, not ever. No. So it's truly amazing. I'm really surprised they opened all the, well, as much as they did at the resort. It's very cool. And I was also surprised about how many tele skiers are out and about. Chris, have you ever seen that many tele skiers prancing around the slopes? I, I don't think I've ever seen that many in one spot. It was fantastic. And uh, I guess, Morgs, it's not really a niche thing anymore. It's I, I kind of feel like I, I might take up, like, I don't know, mono telemark skiing instead. Yeah, it makes, um, you know, like trying all those other things, you know, seem a little bit more out there. But, yeah, I, I agree with Chris as well. And it was and it was really cool to see so many, so many people on 
all sorts of telemark setups, NTN 75 mil, which we'll get to a little bit later on uh, in the podcast this evening. But yeah, just, you know, awesome to see people getting stoked and waving at each other, making new friends. It's always a pretty good conversation starter when you see another telemark skier, because if you don't know them, then you generally wave at them or say, hey, nice turns, bro, and <laughs> have a bit of a chat with them. But yeah, it's always... It's always good and, yeah, uh, I guess we obviously are pretty biased towards Falls Creek and generally you do seem to see a fair few Telemark skiers at Falls Creek though, which is great. We are, of course, welcoming another fellow Telemark skier to the show, already have, Mr. Chris Ali. And Chris is a long-time Telemark skier. In fact, he's my, I guess he's my Obi-Wan Kenobi and I'm his Anakin. Chris guided me to the, the light side of the force, unlike Vader, who stayed with his Alpine equipment. I managed to see the light and come over thanks to Chris's guidance. Long-term outdoor educator, currently working at Federation University, guiding also other young pad ones onto the light side of the force, hopefully, with his winter trips in the outdoor ed faculty. Also runs a small business called Gravity Equipment, and he certainly loves all his gear and knows the latest gossip about all the innovations based around some cool tech. His latest venture is becoming a demo rep for Intense Bicycles. Chris, did we get all that right? Yeah, that was pretty spot on. Um, pretty good summary. I've always known you to love your gear and you've always freed the heel. So where did your, I guess, adventure or journey start into Telemark skiing? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I I learned, I never really skied before I went to uni. So I studied out the red at Bendigo at uni um, and sort of got introduced to the snow environments um, by going out to the backcountry with a backpack on. Um, so the the natural um, gear of choice was was telegear. Um, so I got introduced to it by by some pretty big legends of, of telemark skiing in Victoria and uh, that, that were our lecturers. And then... Uh, just yeah, went went from there. So never never really skied alpine, um, other than a couple of you know, a couple of times. Um, snowboarded once or twice, but um, have always been a telemark skier. So I learnt in the backcountry, and then I, I didn't really ski in resorts or anything until um, I moved to Canada. Pretty much, um, I'd skied maybe a couple, like a handful of days in resorts. Uh, and then moved over to Canada, lived over there in Canmore in the Rocky Mountains for a while. And, yeah, that's that's where I started, you know, developing better technique and being able to get through some uh, harder terrain. Um, so I lived over in Canada, did a couple of seasons in between Canada and New Zealand, um, also worked for a couple of years at Mount Sterling, um, doing ski instructing up there. Um, so I spent a lot of time on the snow but not not in resorts in Australia before I went overseas and then just now with with kids finding it a bit harder to you know go and do seasons places but you know get out a few weekends or a few weeks a year um, and also do a bunch of backcountry trips with with uni and for work um, do a couple of those each year as well now. Yes, well, you know, no one saw Obi-Wan for years but he could still swing a lightsaber when he needed to. <laughs> That's right. And it's always good to get paid to free thy heel, Chris. Um, it is. Could you talk us through your <laughs> your current uh, Telemark setup and um, maybe also your first ever free heel experience, what you were skiing on the first ever time you went Telemarking? 
Yeah. So the first gear that I bought was was a secondhand set of gear from another uni student that had just finished third year. I'd just started first year at uni, um, so needed some kit to go out on the on the Alpine trip. So I bought, I had leather boots, Garmont boots from memory, big 210 centimetre long Kahu 10th mountain skis. Wow. Um, with a pattern base. So that's what I learnt how to ski on. But really those, those first few trips were, you know, lots of falling at the odd turn um, and lots of trudging around the, the high plains with a backpack on. And then, yeah, a little bit of little bit of skills development, but, but not really a huge amount. It was more, more about travelling across the environment as opposed to um, learning how to ski um, hard terrain or anything like that. That's the first gear that I was on. I was going to say, there's nothing like a full backpack of uh, hiking equipment to make you, you know, feel like turning is hard. <laughs> but it gets you out there, doesn't it? So I'm now, I've got, I've, I've always been a long-time Kahu fan before uh, before they slowly died and got bought out and, and turned into other other brands. But I'm, the gear that I'm still on is all Kahus. I've got Three sets of skis now. Kahu Team 100s, which are my resorts skis, pretty much, um, and use them a bit in the backcountry. I've got a set of Kahu Spires, which are a lightweight um, backcountry ski, which are, that's mostly what I would take out up Bogong or Feathertop or, or anywhere like that where I've got to carry it in because um, they're a bit lighter. And then I've got Kahu Guides, um, which are my pattern-based ski that I mostly use for ski touring and, and work trips. Bindings, I'm on the 7TM Power Tour bindings, so I can um, swap and change them between the skis, um, and they're good for um, good tour mode and, and step in, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. And the, the uh, big one for me is that they've got the release on them, so I get to uh, hop out and not destroy my knees in that country. Uh, and an old set of Scarpa T1 boots is, is what I'm still rocking with a duck bill. So 75 mil. Beautiful. Yes, that's what we want to hear, 75 mil boots. And as the Queen said, it's not dead, but um, we're going to be talking about that a bit later on in the show. And thanks, Chris, for sharing a bit of your history there. But let's just throw the Bogong bullets and because there are two bits of information that I think are newsworthy mauls. This is the Bogong Bulletin. Yeah, so... Rich, it looks like it's a bit of a snowmageddon across the Dutch in New Zealand. Uh, would you like to talk us through their current snow and weather conditions, please? Yeah, well, we won't dig too much into it, but I think it's just quite interesting because they have got a phenomenal amount of snow. So down on the Crown Range, and that is between Wanaka and Queenstown. Do you remember that that drive, that beautiful drive to the Crown Range? Of course, Chris, you would know this too, having lived in New Zealand oh, yes. for some time. Yeah, yeah, the road, but like you're talking about the high road. So that's yes. where you can get to the proving ground. And what's the resort over the other side of the valley there? Uh, are you talking about Cadrona or? Cadrona's up top there, yeah. Cadrona, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember Ferg and I camped one night sort of down the bottom there, like in that va- that little plateau down the bottom of Cadrona. You know, there's like a fence somewhere down the bottom that's completely covered end to end in bras. Oh yeah, um, yes, yes, yes. Somewhere down there, we camped. We camped down there, but we woke up in the morning. It was about negative thirteen degrees or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Anyway, probably the coldest night I've ever had in a tent. Yes. Well, the Crown Range received 
get this, 120 centimetres of fresh snow in about 72 hours. Isn't that phenomenal? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it hasn't seen that much snow in that area in like 30 years. So it's been a huge storm and it's really got them going. And obviously, they're you know everything's a bit shaky at the moment until this snow consolidates in that area with quite steep mountains. So avalanches are definitely a threat all over the ski fields and indeed on the road because that road just weaves into some some pretty serious country so mm. it's a it's a blessing but it's also a danger be careful kiwis just wait a little closer to home rich a little closer to home in the other the other news department mount selwyn is sadly pulling the pin on the 2022 ski season now this of course is the a tiny resort and a, the most affordable resort in new south wales its claim to fame is and it's slowly been rebuilding since the 2019-2020 bushfires. Hasn't quite got up to speed yet, and um, they've been delayed with the rebuilding of that resort. Obviously, COVID would not help. So sad to see Mount Selwyn keeping the doors closed for another season, but uh, they guarantee in 2023 that they will be back and firing. So it's sad it couldn't correlate with all this fresh snow that we've had already, but hey... Things take time, eh? Sure. Yeah. And also, as I was saying off air before, Rich, um, I was listening to the Free Hill Life podcast. Josh and Tay were talking there. They were they were a little bit curious about what was going on down in the Southern Hemisphere and they, they gave us a bit of a shout out. So thanks, guys. And um, if you're listening to this, we would always be, be happy to catch up over another uh, one of your podcasts, Josh, for sure. Um, but yeah, just letting you know that we did get out for a ski on the weekend. Obviously, if you're listening to this, and it was grand opening weekend at Falls Creek, and it yeah, is exactly. open, and it opened a week early. It did. <laughs> I'm just kind of answering the questions that were <laughs> oh, right. on the show. Yes, I'm still on 75. <laughs> did they ask that as well? <laughs> yeah, they were wondering whether you'd gone to splitboarding or something like that. <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. <laughs> no, never. Oh, very good. Well, let's get to this this week's topic, and this week's topic is duck hunting season. What is the future of 75 millimetre boots in Australia? Yeah. And even, I mean, I've got a confession to make, fellas. Actually, on the weekend, I slipped into friend of the show, Andy Crow's NTN boots for about 25 minutes at the end of the day and had a ski on his NTN setup. So, um, yeah, just I just felt I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> Did it feel dirty? No, the boots were actually so comfortable. The... Um, uh, and I suppose I can talk about this a little later, but uh, much wider in the forefoot area, which um, allowed my toes to wriggle around with a little more freedom. Wow. Um, but yes, we'll, we'll talk about all all of these uh, different points, I suppose, later on in this segment, Rich. Yeah, so I did feel betrayed. <laughs> but yes, we thought um, we thought we'd get you on the show, Chris, because you've seen various trends. Having started on leather all those years ago, and in you know moving to seventy-five mil, having a heavier boot, and now possibly looking at a new setup in the NTM realm, you've got some specific needs in a binding, though, don't you? Like some things that might restrict your choices, perhaps. Yeah, look, I I'm pretty keen on having a release or having a, a fairly reliable release. Um, my knees aren't the greatest; getting a bit old, and I would rather pop out than have my knee pop out. So and that's that's kind of a safety thing for me, I suppose. But then I've got the the 70M power tour bindings, which have a step in, which 
pretty much every time I step into my bindings and I see everyone else around me bending over and struggling to, to throw their heel throws on, I'm, I'm pretty happy that I've got the step in. So step ins are a big thing that, that I love about my setup. Brakes, I think brakes as well would be a big one for that I would want to have on, on any new setup. Again, having, having leashes and stuff is not the greatest setup. Um, just fiddle fiddle-wise on the, on the snow in, with cold hands, but also if you were, you know, skiing overseas or, or even if the conditions aren't right here mm. and there was avalanche risk, um, having your skis leashed to you is is not the greatest setup. Um, having them as far away from you, if you did ever get into the situation where you were unfortunate enough to get stuck in an avalanche, having them as far away from you and, and not attached would be the best scenario. So... Um, yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of different things I suppose that are you considering when you when you're looking at a new setup. And I was, I was actually uh, literally this morning I was sitting sitting having a coffee, um, reading some reviews on on various NTN setups, and I ended up you know once you have a look at prices and you go right, I'm going to get some new bindings and then I've got got to get some new boots. Um, I, I ended up coming to the conclusion that I don't know that I could have had any more fun with you gentlemen out on the snow this weekend just gone with any other equipment? Like, is it going to make it more fun and is it going to be worth thousands and thousands of dollars? Or am I better off just, you know, getting seasons passes for the next few years and, and skiing the gear that I've got and, and not worrying about paying $185 or something obscene for a lift ticket? The step-in function of that 70M binding is pretty damn good. I'm surprised no other company copied that to have a step-in function with their 75 mil boots because that's one of the hang-ups about moving to NTN. People go, oh, I need a step-in function. Sorry to interrupt there, Rich, but I think, and they do use the same binding, albeit with different parts, the, the um, Bishop Bomber binding, but their 75 mil version is also step-in. It is, in, um, it is quite indeed. Quite similar to... Because all it is is a, it's an attachment on the heel throw, so that's... It's just a slightly different shaped heel throw with a with a wire that levers it on. And with yours, Chris, I didn't quite pay close enough attention. Do you, once you've stepped in, do you have to flick something else up at the back to make sure that it doesn't come back undone? Because you have to do that with the bishop one, although I suppose you could use your pole to do it. Okay. Uh, no, it's just step in and you're in. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of getting at. It's just bang, you're in, done. There's no great task to flick that little thing up on the bishop bindings. That looks no, fine. No, no. But, yeah, no. it's... There's no resistance on but it. even even yeah. there's a good point though, Morgs, because so yeah, to I guess Bishop made that a little bit after 70M and, and 70M mm-hmm. made that. I don't know how long have you had that for, Chris? Uh 2008 or nine, I think. So you've had a step in 75 mil binding for yeah. over 10 years now. Over 10 years. Well, yeah, 13, 13 years, I think. And it is wow. in great condition as well. That's, that's incredible. I guess, yeah, it's interesting. And then obviously, yeah, as you say, Bishop has made that step in function too. So that's quite interesting. Anyway, we digress, but um, we'll move on. And so in, in recent times, it's funny, you know, you've kind of had that epiphany that maybe it's better buying a couple of season passes over the next few years rather than buying a whole new setup. And perhaps all you need to do is try and jump on and buy a, a T1 while they still exist because your boots are kind of wearing a bit thin, are they not? Yeah, boots are getting a bit old. If I could if I could get hold of another set of T1s, I'd probably replace them. But um yeah, I, th- I think if I was going to buy a whole new setup, I would I would go an NTN setup. So I'd, I'd just go and get everything, new skis, new bindings, new boots and everything. 
Um, but it's quite an ordeal in terms of cost to, to go out and do that. Um, so I think in the short term, I'll, I'll, I'll limp through with what I've got and, until something breaks. Um, hopefully it doesn't break in the backcountry. But then, yeah, I think if you're going, if you were going new stuff, going NTN, but really the only reason I would, I would be leaning towards NTN in that scenario is, is sheer availability of stuff. There's, there's more bindings available. There's more boots available in, in a decent range in the NTN stuff now than there is in the 75 mil. So that's that's the only reason I'd, I'd lean towards NTN. I have no issues whatsoever with the gear that I'm on. And like I said, like I had, I couldn't have had more fun than I did skiing on the weekend. So what's the value in spending the money unless something's actually broken? And I suppose there's that a little bit in the back of my head. My gear is quite old now. So, um, so my, all my bindings are quite old. My skis are quite old. My boots are quite old. So that having having something, you know, break in the backcountry is not a great scenario. And, and you know, I'd hate to hate to have to walk when I could be skiing. Yes, that's right. And I guess that will kind of like use that as a segue into part of the reason for. Um, this little topic in the show today, uh, we're calling it, you know, the duck hunting season, obviously referring to duck bill boots there, 75 mil boots. Um, and, you, you know, you make a fair point saying that, you know, it's probably easier just to buy a set of T1s, but um, we're actually finding that it's becoming much harder to get a brand new set of um, 75 mil boots. So in recent years, we've seen a lot of classic plastic 75 moots being removed from production such as the crispy xp the scott synergy scott excursion the g-rex and also our favorite the scarpa t1 well i ski t1s and chris you also ski t1s i don't think rich has been on the t1 train uh, t1 train but it's um yeah making it quite difficult in that probably much easier and even could be much cheaper like i saw rhythm snow sports the other day were having a bit of a sale and they were selling the scarpa ntn boots for about 600 dollars. so you think oh well gee if i could get a pair of those for 600 get myself an ntn set up then you're probably you know not spending two thousand dollars kind of thing for a setup so it's making it pretty pretty hard what, what are your thoughts on that um Rich, what are you thinking about the availability of some of those 75 mil boots? Yeah, that's sad to see them go. And I kind of went through the slideshow that the Freeheel Life magazine offered about the the T1. And obviously it started out as the Terminator way back when and has has since you know evolved into the the current T1. And sad to see Scarpa scrapping that completely. And, you know, along with everything else, like, you know, the Scott Synergy is, I guess, what I would want in a, in a new boot i ski the garmont energy um which has a wider toe box really like that would have probably bought a scott synergy because it's the same mold but um it's gone crispy xp gone is that crispy's only like big uh like four buckle 75 mil boot or do they still have something else well the yeah. crispy xp is a three buckle so it's kind of like a t2 i suppose for crispy is that what your blue ones are yes yeah they're my blue ones and they have another one called the xr which is apparently the most powerful plastic 75 mil boot more powerful than the mighty customs apparently that's their claim to fame but they've still got those but 
I guess we'll wait and see what happens with that, if they're going to keep them or not. And I guess something that wasn't on that list as well, as I just said, Black Diamond. Black Diamond pulled out of the race oh, what, a couple of years ago before now. So, yeah, that, they were fairly short-lived, I think. With the, I think it was the push, was it? Yeah, pushed for the orange and the ones and then the customs, which yeah. I don't think I've ever seen apart from that day I was in a shop in New Zealand and bought them. But, yeah. But, yeah, I guess we're trying to see, you know, what we're not saying is Telemark, you know, 75 mil Telemark equipment going to die. We're asking what is the future of it in Australia because I don't think it's going to die straight away. It'll definitely have a future for some time. Just what is that going to be? And I actually went undercover, fellas, and, and called a ski shop in Melbourne, Eastern Mountain Centre or EMC, a well-known ski shop, and I disguised myself as Walter, probably a little bit poorly, but uh, called them up to see if I could still come in and buy some new Talamark skis with my old 75 mil boots. And this is it. It's going AMC, Rocky speaking. Hello, my name's Walter, how are you? You good, thanks yourself? Yes, very, very good. I'm awfully excited about the snow. It's very nice. About the season? Oh yes, yes, have you seen Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. There's so much snow up there, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's a great start. Yes, I'm hoping to bust out my old Telemark boots and, and go for a rip, but I, I have no skis. I'm hoping maybe... Oh, you need to bust some Telemark skis. Yes. Yeah. Mm. We but, can uh, definitely help you with that. Um, we shut at six tonight, so you probably wouldn't have enough time to come in now, but Doug and me oh. are definitely able to help you sort that out. Yeah, it takes me a while to get out of the house these days, you know. <laughs> but... Um, they're um, 75 millimeter boots. Are you, are you familiar with those? No, I'm not. I, I'd probably better speak to one of them about the telemark setup. Yeah, but, right. um, are you inquiring about getting some skis? Is that right? That's right. I've got some old Terminators. And, okay. And um, someone told me that 75 millimeter was dead, though. I've been away, yeah, right. I've been away yeah. from the scene for some time. I'm not really sure what they mean. I'm, I'm assuming there's plenty of gear still, of course. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, I mean, obviously everything's limited with COVID, but we should be able to fit you out. Oh, right. That's promising. Excellent. Yeah. 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 This young chap told me it was dead. I don't know. Do you know what they might mean by that? Uh, yeah, no, I do. <laughs> what, what do they mean? I'm not very familiar with the whole style of it, though, but yeah, we get a few come through. Yeah, right. But it's not dead. Seems like a niche community, but... Oh. It seems fun. Niche? Yeah. Uh, well, now, probably. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone was on the tellies in my day. What, what's the, yeah. what's it like now? What, what are people snowboarding? I suppose is that. Yeah, I think that's gang up there. Backcountry did everything. Oh, the yes. park. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you probably hate that. The the <laughs> park. In the park. Oh yeah. no, I go to the park all the time. The ducks oh, and nice. they feed the ducks and things. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, six. Uh, are you open the weekend then or? Yeah, we are. Uh, Sundays ten to six, and uh, sun, uh, sorry, Saturdays ten to six. Sundays are twelve to four. Oh, all right, lovely. Yes, and, and just to be clear, it's seventy-five mil ain't dead, or it it is dead. I don't know. It's... Uh, as in, do we are we still stocking that? Well, do you know what he might have meant by that? I was. Oh, he just he just means it's going out of fashion. Oh no, is it? Yeah, as in, yeah. So I'm um, I'm sure that yeah. It's, it might have been just a dig or, um, yeah, they're probably moving away from that, but they'll still have the gear for it. Oh, what? Oh, dear. Out of, 
out of what can I do to be in? Is Telemax is there new gear or is it just? Yeah, no, there's there's, there's, new, there's new stuff. It's just it's probably just making a passing comment. We still have all the stuff you need to get fitted out. Oh, right, very good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right, well, I'll, I'll dust off the old scooter and make my way in there on the weekend, eh? G'day mate, how you going? Yeah, good thanks. Good, I just spoke to Rocky before, I was wondering if he's still available. Oh yep, sure, I will just grab him. Thanks very much. Hello? Rocky. Okay. Yes, hello. How are you going, my name's Rich. Hey Rich, how are you going? Good, you just spoke to an old guy called Walter before, looking for some telemark yes. gear. Yeah, thanks, yes. thanks very much mate, that was a bit of a prank call just to see if, um, you know, your response to it. <laughs> Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> no, good job, good job. I'm from a skiing podcast called Those Tally Guys and we're kind of curious to see how people respond to people looking for old gear. And you did a really good yeah, job. I'll, you did a great job, I mate. I totally skiing anyway, so I was just like at my wit's end. I was like, oh, no, I was, like, I was lost. You did awesome. I thought you did a really good job um, answering those questions, and you can you can kind of hear you're kind of having a laugh, and, and not you know you said it was niche and going out of fashion or whatever, and yeah, no, you did well, mate. I really appreciate it. But um, do, do you get a few people coming in looking for stuff still, or yeah, we had one in today, like some weird telemark cross country skis. Um, you get a few here and there, yeah, interesting bunch some of the time, but yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Now we're all an interesting <laughs> bunch, but um, oh yeah. No. Yeah, no, no, we've kind of, we kind of know that um, that store is known for supporting the sport and, and getting people out there. But, um, yeah, no, no, it's great and we appreciate you taking the call. We just wanted to know if you're happy for us to use that, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no stress. Awesome, mate. I appreciate it. And, um, oh, yeah. good. Yeah, cool. We'll be interested to talk to Doug one day if he's around at some point too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, all the best. All right. Cheers, mate. Thanks. No worries. Bye. Bye. And of course, fellas, that was Rocky from the shop. And I, I did call him back to let him know that that was a bit of a prank and, and get his blessing to use it on the show, which he was happy to oblige. And uh, he was definitely a bit sus, wasn't he? He was a bit sus on me, I think. He was getting more and more sus as the phone call went on, Rich. But I must say, Rocky, um, he took it like a champ. He was a good sport. And yeah, no, well, well played. Well played to the both of you. And it was pretty interesting, though. Yeah, he, he answered some some curly questions fairly well. Like, uh, obviously, he didn't know the exact answer to a couple of things, but it, it was good. He wasn't downright rude saying, oh, bleep, 75 mil, no one wants that. But he, he let you down gently into saying, well, you know what? It's not the most popular these days. I haven't been into EMC in a couple of years now. I've, I've bought two pairs of skis from them and a pair of boots from them and been in there for two boot fittings as well. And they've always had a little section with Telemark bindings on the wall. I'd be interested to see what, you know, whether their Telemark section is staying the same size or shrinking again in size as the... AT sort of stuff rolls in. 
What were your thoughts about that little call, Chris? Uh, yeah, fa- fantastic. It was a good sport. It was interesting that he didn't uh, didn't want to define and, and, and hurt your feelings to define the, uh, the 75 mil eight dead um, terminology and just said it was, uh, what was the term he, he used? Um, it was out of fashion, niche sport or out of fashion. Yeah. So that was quite tactful. Well done. Yes, I did like how he referred to tarmac skis as special or whatever he said at the end there. That was, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Lentil monkeys, yeah. I guess you've got, we've got written here as well that the T2 and the T4 are still available. I guess personally this is going back to the university stuff, which we've touched on a number of times on the podcast, Rich. Obviously all three of us have been through um, La Trobe University here in Victoria, uh, which I guess has a probably a pretty big influence on the amount of people that potentially telemark ski here in Victoria um, because of their skiing program. And the T2s were, gee, I don't know how many people bought a set of T2s um, when I was in, in second year or third year, T2s or T1s or something like that. But they're quite a popular boot. And then the other night when we were in Rocky Valley Ski Hire down there in Tawonga South, um, you alluded to the fact that above where they do the boot fittings and have the big ski counter there at the back, that a whole uh, two shelves that were probably about seven meters long each. They were just full of, I'm not sure whether it was maybe a mix of T-Force and Garmont excursions or Scott excursions that <laughs> you, yeah, you, a mixture of the three. you seem yeah. to think I hadn't, um, <laughs> Uh, they might be collecting a lot of dust up there on on the shelf. <laughs> oh, the ones, yeah, some of them are. The the T2s, the old T2s would be gathering a bit of dust. Um, not a lot not a lot of people coming in to rent the, or I guess, the downhill telly setups that he's got there. But the ones at the back, and they will be this season, they'll be flying off the shelf with large school groups coming in again. And that is the, the mixture of T4s. And excursions, on excursions yeah. and Scott excursions, yeah. And I did yeah. jokingly ask if I could buy a set off him and he said no way, obviously, because Scott have pulled the pin and the only remaining boot manufacturer of short plastic telemark boots is Scarpa with the T4. So yeah, Mike Hen's so teeth apparently now, Chris. Yeah, Scott yeah. pulled the pin. Yeah, not making excursions anymore. We've got a uh, We've got a group coming through from the uni in August uh, and it was it was a struggle to try and book thirty people in to um, to get the the heavy telly gear um, to go backcountry with. So that was only a group of thirty, and they were they were unsure whether they could service that with with the other groups that were coming through as well. So they must still be going out quite a lot. Oh, they do. They yeah. go out a lot. I've worked in there for two seasons, and they are so busy. And there's so many groups that want them. And I think Ray's in Myrtleford also have a similar setup, but maybe not as many because Brian's kind of invested in buying these new boots and and some new cable bindings every so often to replenish his season and, and to keep that sort of side of his business going because it is quite large. And I guess that's that's what will be sad, I guess. And I, and this is what I'm, I'm thinking that Tally in terms of 75mm will hopefully have a future in Australia for that reason alone, as long as Scarpa keeps making the T4, businesses like Brian will need to keep buying those sort of setups. I can't see like a basic cable binding. You know, Rotterfeller seems to be making those still, regardless of the trends. 
and Volley have got a, a handful as well. So I can see them continue to be bought by, I guess, businesses like this that need a large amount of basic equipment to get big school groups and other tour groups out, client groups out onto the snow. Yeah, well, I believe, I think it's Snow Trek and Travel in Wodonga. They've moved out of, they're not doing any of the um, backcountry touring telly stuff anymore. I wonder what Timbertop use. Do they own skis or do they generally rent skis? Yeah, they do. They, they do, do yeah. Skis, yeah, they've got their own. They've got their own stuff too. And I think it's T4s or Garment Excursions they've got too. And I'm, I'm guessing there's some other schools out there with um, a similar setup across southeastern Australia. And, I mean, what do they swap to? Let's just say, let's, you know, let's hypothesise that Scarpa does pull the pin on the T4 in the future and then some years later all that stuff is either broken or stolen. I don't know who would steal it, but it, it goes either way. What do they swap to? I guess triple nbc something completely different yeah you either you're either going you can see it going one of two ways so like yeah it's either you're either going to make it a whole lot um more difficult for people out on the skis or maybe a whole lot better and easier so like by going the more and like imagine if there comes a time when ntn uh, bindings are a whole lot cheaper or easier to to get and for some reason everyone's skiing around on um pattern-based skis with, with NTN bindings and there's like a lower cuff NTN boot. But then again, that's super niche as well because you think apart from, you know, this this weird outdoor ed school uni niche in southeastern Australia, like who else is using T4s around the world? Um, it, is, it is a bit of a, a weird thing. It'd be interesting to see what kind of sales someone like Scarpa get throughout Europe and North America with with something like a T2 or a T4 and whether they're just nothing at all or whether we're like, are we a big market for that? Surely not. Surely surely where Australia is not going to be the, the thing that holds production of T2s and T4s. Yeah, I doubt like a business like Brian's in Mount Beauty would be, you know, he might buy 30 new boots every three seasons or something. I don't know if that would be enough to keep them going into making the T4. But, yeah, it'll be a sad day if and when they do decide to pull the plug on that. And what do they replace it with? Like, I don't even know if a, a an NTN short-cuffed boot would be able to generate enough power being held from the duck butt. NTN's really based around more like a, a T1 style boot as opposed mm. to a, like the whole point of it is is increase of power, more edge control. Like that's that's where NTN has been designed around, um, whereas the yeah, T4s don't really fit into that. I suppose, but, you know, the last two dot points, you know, before we, before we wrap up the show, I guess, you know, we keep, keep, people keep getting caught up on moving from 75 mil bindings because... They don't have certain things, but when you do compare them, and especially hearing Chris's side of the story with his current equipment, 75 mil bindings can achieve some of these things. So let's just think about it. Bindings need to be releasable. Chris, you've got releasable bindings, don't you? Yes. The 70M. I think the only one that releases is a 70M binding in the 75 mil category, unless you get the special plates. Volley did used to do a plate. I don't think they'd do it anymore. And... Rodefeller had a TRP telemark release plate at one point. Um, but again, I don't think they're in production anymore. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, step in, we've already said that. You can get a step in binding either 
through your 7TM style binding or with the, the Bishop binding too, has a step-in capability for a 75mm boot. So that's there. I guess the only other thing that, oh, I think the Bishop does have this greater edge control, greater lateral control because it's a burly binding because the Bishop binding doesn't actually yeah. change, does it? Like you just change the toe piece to a set for a 75mm boot compared to an NTN boot. Yeah, so right. yeah. I guess that's a bit different, that one, compared to the other duck butt attachments found on the other boots. Morgs, could you feel any difference when you were skiing that on the weekend? Yeah, well, I'd, and I'd skied a, I'd skied um, some of Crowley's other skis before I borrowed a set of his skis when I went to the US uh, just to try out. And he had the, they were, it was a different pair of Bishop BMFRs that were 475 mil boots. They feel like they feel quite different to ski, I guess, because the, I don't know, like everything's underneath you rather than wrapping around the boot. I don't know. Well, that was kind of how it felt to me. Uh, just, yeah, quite a different feel in the sense that um, you get tension as soon as your heel comes off the ski, as opposed to a little bit of lag time, even that you get, um, even with an axle. But so having that been my only NTN experience, yeah, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, it did feel a little bit different. And I guess that's something that 75 mil won't ever achieve, that, that good lateral control that people talk about, greater edge control. NTN skiers certainly love that. So that's, I guess that's definitely a shortcoming. Boots, as you said, it felt like you had a bit more room in the toes with your scarper boots. So that's a good thing. Um, I guess Garmont used to offer that, but yeah, they're not made anymore. So I guess the boots I feel are kind of lacking for 75 mil just by choice. There's not many choices yeah. left. Yeah, and with the 70M stuff that I've got, like I'm I'm happy with the setup, but it is quite a neutral binding. Like it's not it's not nearly as active as as a lot of the um, newer 75 mil stuff that's out um, in more recent years. Um, like you guys are both on axles, they're, they're a whole much more active than, than the 7TM stuff is. Um, so I think the, the comparison of then going up to NTM is, is, is another step above that. So I think it would be a massive change for me to go from the 7TM bindings to an NTN. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it would be for all of us, I think. But yeah, for sure, if you haven't um, had a, a stiffer binding. But I guess um, ultimately, I think it's sad. And we, I've heard other interviews about people saying, you know, times are changing. It's, they're going regardless. The boots are going. 75 mil is dead. It's going to die eventually. And, you know, there'll be a bunch of people hanging on to stuff, which will be me for some period of time. Happy to try NTN, but I'm happy with the gear I've got at the moment. And it's sad that, that we just don't have those choices anymore. We're kind of being pigeonholed into one sort of style of, of a, a binding in a boot when having the option would be far greater um, but it's just that the market is probably determining the future of Telemark across the world, sadly. And yeah, 75 mil, I guess, isn't on the big picture in the future. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm, my major concern is what do I do with, I'm wearing my 75 mil ain't dead hoodie at the moment. What do I, what do, I do with that when they finally um, stop making the final pair of 75 mil boots like is it going to be like that page at the end of the lorax when the once the cuts down the very last tree in like sneedville or wherever they live and you know i'm just going to feel lost and i'll have to like burn my hoodie or something like that <laughs> i'm also wearing mine 
Um, <laughs> no, I think we just keep we keep we bust out our seventy-five mil gear and and try and keep it running for as long as we can and, until it dies. Yeah, and no, oh, actually, something I was going to mention earlier when I um, when I went to the US and I skied a couple of days with Telly Tay. Um, and he, you know, he rolls around on his NTN stuff, um, but he still has his 75 mil gear, like, you know, a pair of T1s and he still gets out and has a rip on those with a pair of axles I think he was on as well. So, you know, he still gets out and gets amongst it, uses the 75 mil gear just just for a bit of a change up and still goes just as hard. So, you know, I, I guess I can, I can probably see myself doing that, you know, somewhere down the track as well. It'd be interesting to see in, in coming years as, as 75 mil boots particularly become less and less available, um, whether that impacts how many people are going to take up telemarking. Because having like telemark gear, like 75 mil gear, to buy a set of skis and a set of bindings is super cheap. Yeah. Um, you, you can just buy it to give it a crack, but most people would want to go out and get a decent pair of boots because you know, that's, that's comfort. You want something that's going to fit really well and, and, and not cause pain and, and that kind of stuff for your boots. Like boots is the one thing you go out and buy, um, whereas you can do with, you know, an old set of skis and an old set of bindings and, and get away with it. So I wonder whether that unavailability of, of um, 75 mil boots is going to impact people just going, oh, you know, it's, it's not worth spending the money on, on NTN gear. So then I suppose in 10 secondhand gear will get cheaper and cheaper. Yeah, 75 mil boots is almost a gateway drug, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people that have started that way, just buying a cheap old set and then falling in love with it and then buying a, a better set, whether it be 75 or NTN. Yeah, yeah so, I, feel, I feel like that was your gateway. Yeah, it was. It was a gateway for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, gents, I think um, I think that's all we've got time for here. Um there will be a future. There'll probably a lot of people hoarding stuff for like me for some period of time. It won't die. It's not dead, but we're just getting forced to probably look at other options. It's sounds fun. like sounds like we need uh, those telly guys' boots going into production. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll go. It'll be like Mission Impossible. We go to Scarpa and steal the molds, <laughs> <laughs> and then just start melting like old bits of P-Tex that break off the bottom of our skis into making a new set of boots. Cast it into the flames. <laughs> yes. All right, gents. Thanks so much. Yeah, well done. Thanks, fellas. And Chris, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great hearing your thoughts and we'll ski with you in the future. Oh, yes. Righto. Bye-bye. Those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at those tellyguys at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>